Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Kirkland. I'm your host, Shwin, for this episode 239. I am joined on a nice but brisk fall morning, fall Saturday morning, I should say. I'm joined by my co-host, Stacy. That's at StacyBat89. Stacy, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it's brisk and sunny, like you said, morning after Nick's win. But Schwinn, you know, I don't know if... Um, I don't know if we should be doing this pod anymore. I mean, <laughs> does anyone really want to listen to a couple of fans talk? You know, we don't really have any credentials. Uh, not experts. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I, I hang out with the Knicks all the time. But other than that, you know, we, we're not, we're not the, why would people listen to us? You know, <laughs> It's a good question. And to answer that, we have on a special guest. It is his first time in a, in a long time, but not a first time ever. His name is Ariel Pacheco, that is at a Pacheco NBA on Twitter. Ariel, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It has been a while. Last time I think I was here, we were talking about trading Julius Randle for like Harrison Barnes or something. <laughs> <laughs> Man, how times have changed. Uh, let's not, in the words of Winston Wolf, <laughs> let's not start sucking each other's dicks yet, quite yet, but. Uh, it's definitely been encouraging. Yes. Yeah, uh, we're good. We'll talk about that. But uh, before we get started, I do have to make an announcement that Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland that I do every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Discord where I rant and rave about, the, or sorry, not where I rant and rave about the next more, but where we all rant and rave about the next even more. Uh, you also get access to the Doug a.k.a. Drew Steele-hosted mailbag. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, where I personally rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Jack Cuntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on a pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. Uh, the Knicks won. The Knicks dropped their season opener, but they bounced back in a very big way uh, against the Pistons. Uh, final score is 130-106. Uh, aside from the start of the second half, this game was pretty comfortable. Uh, Knicks did get a little bit lucky with some super hot three-point shooting in the first half, and the Pistons inexplicably missing every free throw, it felt like. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I just thought this was a really, really good performance, in particular from the bench, which has weirdly been struggling um, through preseason and the season opener, which was awful, aside from Cam from the bench. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I just thought this was a really encouraging game. This is like, these are the games that the Knicks absolutely have to win. They have to just crush the, the bottom feeders of the NBA. And make no mistake about it, 
I know people are very excited about this Pistons team and their bright future, but it is going to be their future because I don't think they're a very good team right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess uh, Ariel, you know, it's been two games. Is there, I guess I'll just say this and I'll, you know, I'll toss it over to you. I've been pretty encouraged by what I've seen from Tom Thibodeau. And I'm saying that with being very genuine. Uh, I'm surprised, but I've like generally liked a lot of the stuff he's done with the minutes and rotations overall. Uh, I know it's really early and we're working again on preseason and two regular season games, but like he's pretty consistently had IQ as the first card off the bench, which I was kind of like, I'll see when I believe it. So I'm starting to believe it. I didn't have a huge problem with the OB thing uh, on against Memphis. Like, I know that people wanted him to come in over Fournier, and I get that. And I don't, I don't think that's unreasonable. I also just think OB had a bad game, and Tibbs was like, he doesn't have it tonight. He made a judgment call, and I'm okay with that judgment call early in the season. Um, late, if that continues throughout, that's a problem. But for one game early in the season, season opener, I'm okay with that. Uh, I think he deserves credit for sticking with Cam. Um, with Grimes out, especially after a preseason where he was really bad, um, to put it quite honestly. And, um, you know, I think he's been, like, tighter on the rotations with the starters at times. I just, I don't know, I'm, like, encouraged by a lot of his decision-making, and I'm curious to kind of get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um, I haven't really had, like, a serious complaint when it comes to Thibodeau this season yet. I will say, like, even the offense feels a lot smoother. There's more movement. There's a lot, like, there seems like there's more off-ball actions going on. Um, especially, like, coming down in transition. It isn't just like, okay, let's find somebody in the post and, and figure it out. It's like they're coming off. Like, when Cam Reddish came in the game, they ran him off a couple stagger screens, and he turned it over. But it was still nice to see, like, them trying to get him going downhill instead of, like, him just kind of playing off closeouts, which I thought was didn't nice. He, didn't he try to go behind the back on one of those? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was a little like wild when he first came in the game. It was weird, but um, yeah, like overall, I think you have to be kind of encouraged, not just by Thibodeau, but I mean we're probably going to talk about it more. But like Randall as well. Like I think those two were like the biggest X factors this season, and I think overall you kind of have to be feeling you know cautiously optimistic because we both know that those things can change real quick. Um, I think the real challenge when it comes to the rotation is going to happen when Grimes comes back. Um, that's when it's going to get real dicey. Um, that conversation is going to be tough, I think, for Thibodeau because I think it's very clear he should be in the starting lineup alongside Fournier and Brunson. Um, I mean, sorry, well, alongside Barrett and Brunson. Yeah, I was um, going to say, damn. Yeah. Getting real aggressive <laughs> with these takes this morning. RJ, RJ's got to come off the bench. No. <laughs> um, but, yeah, overall, again, yeah, just cautiously optimistic so far. Yeah, it's um I mean I think a lot of the questions we had during the off season have been positively answered. So first of all, I think they played two good games, I'll say that. Um obviously the Memphis game they lost, there were some bad stretches. But you took the two seed deep in overtime. Um it seemed like nearly every bounce kind of didn't go the Knicks way. Um the attitude was really good from them. Um, particularly Randall. Um just things we hadn't seen in second half of last year when they blew so many leads. There's a lot of frustration, um, not just from Randall, um, but from a lot of players. Um, and that was really impressive. And they built on it by, um, you know, maybe it could have been a letdown game after, you know, an emotional loss. Could have been, um, you know, taking an energetic, athletic opponent who, yes, 
as Schwinn mentioned, is not a good team yet. But those are the kind of teams that have given the Knicks some problems. Um, you know, Jaw came. Jaw was really tough for them to handle. Um, you know, those kind of athletic guards have been an issue. Um, and you know, for the most part, I think they did a pretty good job on Ivy. Um, and I mean, I think I think that guy is going to be amazing. I think uh, Ivy did a pretty good job on Ivy himself too. Yeah, but I mean, and well, it's it wasn't. I mean, there's so much he can improve on, and he still finished yeah, yeah. seventeen and nine on a reasonably efficient shooting. I, I don't think, think that he has. Any, I don't think he has any idea what he's doing yet. He's just like, I'm really fast, and there's more space in the NBA than there was in college. Um, but you know, I agree. Like he's defensively, he's all over the place. But I mean, we expected that, and then like he's obviously got to iron out some of the decision making. But yeah, I mean, the fact that he's just like walking into seventeen and nine without really knowing what he's doing is. Pretty encouraging. Must be nice. Must be nice to get lucky in the lottery. Pretty, uh, pretty <laughs> good. Um, but um, so, so I, I think that was a big question, right? Um, so I think that, you know, are they going to to get back to kind of maybe the mentality that we saw um, from the first year's team with Tibbs? Uh, and then the two biggest questions were: Were they get, for me? Were were they going to actually play fast? There's a lot of talk about it. They started off last season doing it. Um, as Ariel notes, this is cautious optimism, but so far they've lived up to it. Um, they were really even able to match Memphis's pace, and obviously that's not an easy thing to do with all the young athleticism they have. Um, but they, they've, they've gotten up in transition. They've made good decisions in semi-transition. Uh, the bench had struggled in preseason. I like that they had um, they kind of got it together last night. I think that was part of the reason Tibbs left them in so long, um, which I think was a good call. Um, you know, obviously they had the lead. So allowing them to get some more reps, get more comfortable with each other. Um, and you could see, obviously, OB, IQ, um, you know, it seemed like they had uh, their, one of their better games in a while, um, and the confidence grew. And then the other thing was, of course, Randall, right? I think Shwin Yu in particular were pretty um, apprehensive, uh, <laughs> let's use that word, about the Brunson-Randall fit. Um, and two games in, um, you know, it's really seemed to work pretty well. Um, I think Brunson really has helped Randall um, in terms of, um, in, in many ways. I think for one, and I, I talked about this in a thread earlier today. Yeah, Randall I, saw, was, I saw this thread. It was like, I started reading it, and then I scrolled down, and I saw it was like 500, <laughs> and I was like, I'm good. I'm just, I'll just talk to Stacey in like 20 minutes about this. Um, I, I, see, I, I like reading better than listening to people, uh, usually. Um, course, except for each one. Um, no, I, I um, but the, the kind of the point I was making was, yeah, like Randall for the last three years, essentially, he's been asked to play a role that he's not ideally suited for, right? Um, I think if he wasn't shooting as well as he did in 2020, it probably doesn't look as good. Yeah, stating the obvious, but um, you know, and we saw that you know when he's facing double teams, when it's kind of he has to just create out of nothing or out of a set. Um, he struggles, right, with seeing multiple defenders, seeing multiple guys, having to make quick reads. Um, but stretching himself there, now that he's back, now you see the reads that he has is usually one defender, right? He's attacking um, in a four-on-three short roll, and he just has to read what the big's doing. If the big stays with the dunker, Randall goes to the rim. Um, if they collapse the paint, kick it out. Um, and he's been a, doing a really good job of finding whoever it is, Mitch or Hartenstein, in the dunker spot. And these are simple reads. And I think he's better at making those quicker than he was even in New Orleans, um, where he he still wasn't a great passer because of that experience. I don't know how much truth that is to that. Um, I, for one, you can call me out if, if you want to. I, for one, did not think 
he would be able to downshift, not even because of buy-in, but just because, um, you know, it's it, like you, things that guys like Obi can do, making those quick decisions and moving without the ball, it's just a tough adjustment. And to Randall's credit, I think he's done a good job. Um, and, um, and, and so I think so far, you know, we'll see. You can always revert. Um, we'll see when they face some adversity, which they did in Memphis, and they didn't revert to bad habits. They actually um, played the right way and, and came back in the game. We'll see. But I think it's, it's easy to be encouraged. And the last thing I'll also say, uh, and Shuin, I'd be curious to your thoughts on this. Um, so you had talked about, you know, he left, um, he left LA for New Orleans partly because he didn't want to play with LeBron. I haven't heard too much of this, but you know, I, I believe you. Um, and he came to New York, he wanted to be the man and he got to be the man. And last year you saw that it was mentally an exhausting year for him, right? You could see how frustrated he was. He had the whole thing with the fans. Um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not you know, questioning his mental fortitude or something. I'm just saying it was obviously a challenging situation. So we, we, you know, we kind of questioned, will he buy into like a secondary role? Is he going to like, and I think the question that we might've wanted to ask was if he was that miserable last year, as, as many people suspect, maybe he realized that, um, being number one, isn't, isn't all that, uh, but being a really good number two, especially when my life's easier could allow me to thrive and Hey, maybe I'll get back to the all-star game. Um, you know, with, 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 with my life being easier. And, um, so yeah, obviously only two games, all of this, I might be regretting, I might eat my words. But um, but uh, very encouraged by that. Um, so I'll say this: I think against Memphis, I thought Randall was really good um, on both ends of the floor. I thought defensively he was locked in too. He had some issues defensive rebounding. That's always been an issue for him. He's not a good box out guy. He kind of falls asleep. And it's a great. I mean, they finished number one in the league in offensive yeah, rebounding. They're, they're a really good offensive rebounding team, obviously. But even going back to his All NBA season, there are a couple of games I think. One against Philly in particular, where he didn't box out, that cost us the game. Not trying to shit on him, just it's it's just a thing that he's. And then he, that's where he got those foul calls against Memphis too, right? Yeah. I mean, I think they were bullshit calls, and Adams. The, the one a especially lot was the one especially was really bad. The one in Aldama where he like he just he fucking uh, he just flopped. He just flopped. Yeah. Um, but like that's just a weakness of his game. Whatever. I'm not even trying to like shit on him. It's just everybody has weaknesses. He's not a particularly good defensive rebounder in terms of boxing out his man. Um, I was So that was a really good game. I gotta say, I wasn't actually impressed at all by him yesterday. I thought he had a bad game, relatively speaking. I thought I thought he was completely lost on Sadiq Bey. Bey burned him more than He's a good times. player, but yeah. I... yeah he, he absolutely burned him just moving off the ball. Um, I know that's like tough for Julius. He's a big dude. Running around screens is not exactly the easiest thing, but like he plays the four and a lot of fours do that now. So like that's just part of the job. If he's not gonna do that and he's not gonna do it consistently, that'll be problematic. Um and he didn't have an assist yesterday. That doesn't really bother me. I just thought he didn't make smart reads. Forced up a lot of bullshit, especially in the third quarter when the starters decided that they needed all to like do various forms of hero ball. Um, it just felt a little bit disjointed. It felt a little bit like last year with him. Um, not the same thing where it wasn't like destructive in the same way. And he obviously is not, he's definitely in a better place mentally to your point. Like he's not miserable. He's not scowling. Um, me personally, I'm not going to fucking praise somebody because they're 
smiling and happy and being right? like I don't give a fuck. That's your job. Cool. Like I mean, it's not even your job to be smiling and happy, but like, cool. Like that does nothing for me. You could be the most miserable person, but if you're doing good on the basketball court, nobody's gonna care. Oscar Robertson was allegedly one of the most miserable teammates ever. I would love if Oscar Robertson was on the Knicks right now. Kareem um, too, right? Yeah. So like, I don't care about that. Um, but like, it's he still has these bouts. And it tends to happen when the Knicks are up, I think. Like, when they're up comfortably. It happened in preseason a few times when the Knicks Obviously were up. Obviously happened a lot last year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when the Knicks are up comfortably, he tends to, like, he decides it's, you know, okay, it's Julius Randle time. I get to, like, try my Kobe bullshit. He did a couple, he did some of that yesterday. Um, one thing that is palpably different, and I do like, is whether he's pulling on catch-and-shoot threes or putting it on the deck, he's doing that more decisively. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really big and that's important. But um, like, am I encouraged by what I've seen from Julius overall? I would say yes, but I'm probably a little bit still, I'm, I'm still a little bit more skeptical than you guys seem to be about what we're seeing from him. And as far as the Brunson piece of it, those two working together, um, I didn't see a lot of it yesterday, but that, I, I don't think it was like, they didn't look clunky yesterday. I just didn't think they... Like playing off each other. other. Yeah, I mean, they they just didn't. There were no sequences where they played off each other, which I don't know if that's like. It it wasn't an issue for me because I didn't think it was like they were ignoring each other. It just didn't happen in the flow of whatever was going on. Um, But against Memphis, they definitely did, and I think that that was encouraging, um, and it was really good to see. So, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as just like you know what we've seen from him, I'm encouraged but i'm still very much like i'm keeping my guard up because you know i've been hurt before man and uh i don't i don't want to i don't like don't fuck with me man um like goodwill hunting right here but like yeah i just i'm i'm still waiting i'm still waiting because the the one he also did something that i really liked yesterday he took a page out of obi's book he ran down the floor pretty hard and got early post position i think he either got fouled on it or made a layup um but it was like good to see him do that because we know that he has a tendency not to do, like, not a tendency. He generally does not run the floor hard. Um, so that was good to see. I Certainly still, not without the ball in his hands. Right? Yes. Yeah, I, I still would love if he never brings the ball up the floor unless it's, like, an easy, like, a grab-and-go transition opportunity. I hate when he brings the ball up against any type of set defense. His handle is not nearly as good as he thinks it is. Um, and it just the offense takes forever to set up when he does it. So those are just like my broad thoughts on it. But yeah, I mean, I'm not, I've, I don't know if anybody's noticed, but I've like actively tried very hard to not discuss Randall specifically on Twitter at all, because I just think I, as I, I think I, I discuss this with Prez. Like I literally am just trying not to give a fuck about, and I'm not going to, I just don't care. I'm for, I need to see this for like two months, do it for two months. And then we'll come back and I'll be like, okay, if he does that for two months, I am. I will believe that Julius has learned from whatever the hell was going on with him last year and has changed his ways. But I need to see it for a lot longer than fucking four preseason games and two. Can you can games. you join me and Ariel at least in the cautiously optimistic bucket, or are you just uh, cautious? I'm just cautious right now. <laughs> I'm. I'll take like what he's doing right now. I'll take that. I'll take that. And I at least I'll say this. Like I think there's a version of this. I'm more 
bullish on there's a version of this team that is actually fine and maybe even fun with Julius on it, which I did not believe um, over the offseason for long parts of it. I think that's fair. I will say, I will say, there was one moment last night that I thought like kind of stood out. I'll probably clip it and post it. But in the first quarter, I think it was he Julius had the ball and Mitch tried to seal somebody in the paint and he drew a mm-hmm. foul. And Julius made like a big show, not a big show of it, but he made like he made it clear that like he wanted Mitch to do that. Like he he dapped him up and um yeah, like he yeah, told he him to like, keep doing that. And then in the third quarter, um, Mitch they did it again. Right? Yeah, and Julius is the one who fed it on it. And I don't know that, that kind of like little thing kind of stood out to me because. I feel like that's something that, like, I don't know, we we haven't really seen much of. He's been kind of like the opposite version of that, especially last year. And, and him and Mitch in general, like, not just last year, but, like, they've played, what, three years together coming into that, this season? They've, like, never – I think they've had a negative net rating together the entire – every season. Um, they just haven't had, like, a good synergy. And obviously some of that has to do with, like – Mitch. They haven't played with a real point guard, right? Yeah. I mean, they played well, all their minutes a, with a true and point Burks. guard. I think is what you. Mean. Well, they don't. I mean, they didn't. When they did play with quickly, that trio probably did have a positive rating, right? Yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean, quickly just not a floor general, you know. Um, but um, no, I just like Mitch. Obviously, occupies the space at the rim. Randall, when that space is there, he has to be more of a perimeter player. There's just like some issues there, but I agree. Like seeing that recognition from Julius is important. He also had a nice wraparound pass, like dump off kind of thing to him. Not a reach around? No, not a reach around. Uh against Memphis. He it was it was just good to see like I like he's at least seems to be making a conscious conscious effort to like to to play with Mitch, you know, and not just like we're on the floor together, kinda like let's just hope it works. Like he's he's trying to, you know, actively make that partnership more functional. So, yeah, that that's definitely good to see. Um, I would like to move on a little bit. I thought I, I was, like, really happy with RJ's game yesterday, uh, especially after that dog shit Memphis game, which was, like, I mean, Stacy knows I've talked about this all offseason. That was, like, one everything about that game from RJ, the Memphis game, is the that's the worst version of him, and I think Ariel, I think you tweeted this out that like that might have been the worst game of his career. Uh, I don't remember. I feel like he had some real fucking stinkers as a rookie, but I, I agree. Like at this point in his career, kind of like if you're adjusting for expectations for where you should be, that was awful. Um, and I, it was just like everything about that was the worst version of him. You know, he was missing shots to start the game. Jaw was going off. He's defending Jaw. So now he was like pressing to kind of get his shit going. That was not happening, especially not from the perimeter. Still hasn't hit a jumper yet this season, which is kind of funny. Um, and then, he, so then he's like, okay, I'm just going to try and get to the rim. And that's fine. But like, he was, he was purely in, I'm going to the rim to put up my shots and try to get my buckets and maybe try to draw some fouls. And that was it. He was single-minded. He was, you know, he, he was not reading the game. He was not reading how the defense was playing it. And that was so annoying. And it's the most annoying thing about him is because this is a guy who drives, whatever, I think he drove like just under 15 times a game last year. He had a really low assist rate, really low pass rate. He has to maximize those opportunities, not just for himself, 
which will, but he also has to do it to like elevate his team and create more scoring opportunities for others because he is collapsing defenses, forcing help to come down on him. There are guys that are open, either be it from three or dump offs to his role man. And like, that is the easiest way for him, in my opinion, to buoy his efficiency is converting some of these really bad field goal, forced field goal attempts he takes on drives and turning them into assist opportunities. And he did a he did such a good job of that at the start of the game yesterday. I thought he was great to start the game. I thought it was really important for him to not force the issue early on. And um, I, I st- <laughs> he still has the worst touch on floaters I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, but yeah, like, he made oh, one. Yeah, he did make <laughs> one. But like o- overall, I just thought his approach yesterday, that's what you want to see. Like I want to see RJ Barrett figure out and find the balance of like, I need to be a scorer, but I also need to be a playmaker. And that's really key for that starting unit, which I think we'd all agree has some kind of like offensive stagnancy to it um, at times. So like him, you know, generating, and it's not just pure assists, right? He collapses defense, he kicks it out. That can, you know, that can trigger swing, 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 like those type of possessions. He's the one guy, like, even more so than Brunson. I don't think Brunson collapses the defense the same way. Um, I just think RJ collapses defenses in a way that defenses have to provide help on his drives that open up really big opportunities for us to like get quality shots out of. And it's so key that he does it. And you saw that, I think, early in the game yesterday, the type of stuff that we were creating on his drives and that he was creating on his drives. So, and it's... Um, it's- yeah, it, I just, it was just really encouraging to see that. And I thought defensively, like, I don't, people were getting on him for his defense against Memphis. I, I have a really tough time just being like, he did a bad job on Ja. Because it's just like, that's just such a ridiculous matchup for him. And I know he had success against him last year, but it's just like, dude, you're asking a 6'5", 6'6", wing to, like, chase this insane, fast jitterbug guard around. Like, give me a break. Um, I just thought, but, and yesterday I thought he was really solid defensively, and we will talk about Evan Fournier. But I feel like there that we would rec- we would have recognized it more if, uh, let's just say, if some of the, the other guys around him um, were were better defensive players themselves. Yeah, I think with with RJ, it's a good point on on the kickouts, and that'll actually help his finishing, not just from taking fewer bad attempts, but even the ones where the big comes to challenge, he's not going to sell out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because now he has to defend against multiple options. Um, I mean, I think RJ, you know, they're, it's tough for these guys when they're coached to be aggressive, get downhill. And, like, when you're going full speed and you have to make those rims, sorry, make those reads, um, you know, it's just, um, it, it's a very challenging thing for a lot of these young players to do. Um, you see it quickly as well. And that is what's so impressive about guys like, like, it's a hard thing to do, right? To be Brunson, to get downhill in the paint, to threaten all of these things and to make kickouts. And even his, his reads aren't always the best, but um, I, I agree with you on RJ guarding jaw. I think we'd all like another point of attack defender out there. Um, and it, which probably lends itself a little bit more to Grimes ultimately being that guy more than someone like quickly. Um, a lot of people have mentioned Reddish. I think in some ways I like him a little bit more on ball. He's obviously bigger and, and probably a little bit less laterally quick than 
RJ, but because of his length, I think he actually does a good job of, of using that to make up for maybe like not having elite lateral quickness. Um, but um, but shifting gears a little bit here, so Ariel, you're kind of the, the thread film guru, or, or certainly one of them on Nick's Twitter. Um, schematically, or in terms of what the Knicks are trying to do on offense and defense, um, you know, especially if they as they work in, you know, three really new rotation guys so far, right? Brunson, Hartenstein, and Cam. Um, you know, what have you seen from that perspective? Well, with Hartenstein, I think he just adds like a whole new layer to the offense that they haven't had in like the pa- in the typical era, like the past three years. <clears throat> um, they're running a lot of high post offense. Um, and one interesting thing that they started to do last night um, was Hartenstein spent a couple possessions like in the corner and OB screen. Which I mean, I think everybody's been asking for for the past couple of seasons. Um, but there was one play where like Hartenstein was like telling Obi to go set the screen, and like Obi's like didn't do it and went to the corner instead, and then Hartenstein screen. So I think they're they're both kind of still figuring it out as well. Um, but if they have the option to kind of flip flop and whoever wants to go set the screen, I think that's that's awesome, especially because Obi's jumpers look a little rough. Um, but he did hit. I think he did hit a three yesterday. Um, he had two rim out too. He had two threes and he had two rim out. Yeah, I think his first shot was an air ball, though. Yeah. It was pretty bad. <laughs> it was one of his corners, patented corner three air balls. Air balls, yeah. Um, but yeah, with Hartenstein, I think he, he just adds like a completely like different dynamic. Um, but yeah, with Cam, I mentioned earlier, they were running him off stagger screens, which I think is cool, get him going downhill. And then um, with Brunson, they've been running a lot of horns for him to try to get him going downhill as well. Um, he still seems to be kind of figuring out like, who his guys to kick out or like where they're going to be and stuff. Cause there's been a couple of positions where he's had like Fournier open and he just like, hasn't seen it. Um, not like he's Are you like, sure he doesn't just hate Fournier and just has a personal vendetta against him to never pass him the ball. <laughs> I think that's quickly. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm joking. Um, but yeah, o- overall, um, I, I, like I, I mentioned the continuity on offense has been like a lot smoother. There's no real like ball stopping possessions. Um, Julius has like, had a couple of like, let me just take this really contested two pointer for no reason, um, in the first two games. But there have been, they're like less than like two or three of those. And last year there were there were a bunch. Um, but yeah, overall I think you have to be kind of pleased with what you're seeing on offense. Um, the one thing again that I'm looking for, uh, we kind of we were just talking about is like RJ's drives. He did have tunnel vision in that Memphis game. Um, and when it relates to the jaw thing, like defending jaw. I thought his defense was really bad. Um, I thought the most of the issues the Knicks had was because he was at the point of attack. But I'm not blaming RJ for it again. It's more the Evan Fournier and the Brunson backcourt that is like putting him in a position to fail. Um, you can't keep putting RJ on these like quick twitch point guards and expecting him or or the Knicks defense to like have a legit shot. Um, so yeah, that's that's my thoughts on the first two games overall. Again, I'm a little optimistic. We'll see, though, because the Pistons, their bench unit was, was really, really awful. Um, shout out to Kevin Knox. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Knox is... I think I saw a quote from Casey that was like, he had a great summer, and I was just like, okay, so you're still pretty bad, huh? Um, whatever. I, look, it's, I'm happy he got another shot in the league. Hopefully he can turn it around and find himself. Like, he seems like a good kid, whatever, but... Um, yeah, Maybe he's the next Sean Williams. Remember Sean Williams came to the Knicks? Extra E. Extra E. Pooping from the corner. Pooping from, wow. That is, that is a deep cut. <laughs> Posting and toasting deep cut. Um, yeah, no, I, I think um, 
I, I was like, I gotta say this, Hartenstein, that guy drives me absolutely fucking nuts, man. Um, he had one play yesterday where like IQ clearly had the defensive rebound, and he just fucking like went for it, and it like it went out of bounds because Hartenstein just seemed oblivious to his existence, like tipped it out of it effectively. Uh, Maybe he was just tired of IQ stat chasing. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, man, it's right. Selfish, selfish IQ. Um, he's. He's actually, like, it's kind of weird. He's, like, a pretty bad defensive rebounder. But his last two games, I feel like he's done a better job of boxing out, even though it's not quite all the way there. So I wonder if that's something that, like, Tibbs and the coaching staff has been on his ass about. Like, yo, you fucking suck at defensive rebounding. Use your big-ass 300-pound frame and, like, just fucking stay between your man and the ball. Because it's been noticeably... I don't want to say it's been good the last two games, but he's definitely giving a better effort in that sense. Um, it's also hard when Steven Adams is allowed to, like, fucking maul you with, a, with impunity. Um, but yeah, I thought he did a better job in that regard yesterday. And I agree with you, like, there's definitely just some... Like, him and Obi kind of want to be in the same places sometimes. And yeah. I think there's some overlap that they both have to get used to playing off of each other. But, like, the good thing about both of them is that they are willing passers. So, like, I, we're going to see it at some point. Like, you can do some, like, high-low stuff with them that we just did not have the bigs for and have not had the bigs for for years. Um, I'm pretty excited to see that. I think, I think in general, like, all these guys on the bench are getting used to having a big who isn't just, I'm the setting screens and I'm rolling to the rim. That, like that needs the ball, but when they have the ball, they can help you get easier buckets or set you up for buckets in a, in a different way than what we've had available to us the last couple of years. Um, I also think having a guy like Hartenstein, it will probably benefit guys like Mitch and Jericho Sims in their careers. Just like, even if they're never going to be the type, the level of passing and facilitating big that Hartenstein is, but just like, seeing that and like kind of taking some of those skills from him potentially uh you know practicing against him watching him play up close i think that'll benefit them so i I think that's really good and um yeah i mean i was look they've been they've obviously had their struggles this bench group but it seems like they're getting their legs together obviously playing against a killian hayes led bench helps the cause um but like they also played well against the starters yesterday, right? They came in in the third quarter after after the Knicks starters had seen the lead dwindle down to about 15, 14, 15 points. They came in, blew the game back out and um, against their starters. I think that's very encouraging. And I just got to say this, like, IQ's offense is obviously, like, he's got to be more consistent. He's got to hit those shots. And, like, that's all true, and I agree that's key for him. I think his defense, I think it might be better. I, I think it's leveled up again this year um even against memphis i was impressed with his defense it obviously didn't stand out much because of how bad he was offensively but like in preseason and now in this game like he's just playing at a level defensively that i think is really impressive and he created like he, he's not gonna get credit for this in the in the box score but like there were like three or four possessions that he generated turnovers on because he was so on point with his rotation and right up into his man that they were like surprised and they shuffled their feet trying to drive. 
Um, or they and then that's forward. what allows the big um, to make that strip, you know, or whoever yeah. it is. Yeah. And so I just like, I just think he's been really impressive on defense. And um, I, I also suspect if he keeps this up on defense, that Tibbs will increasingly be willing to play him and Brunson together, which we, which we've seen uh, more and more of as these kind of games have come up, come along. There was a, there was a stretch where he uh, quickly was in with the starters in for Fournier, and he was with Brunson, Randall, yep. Mitch, and RJ. So I don't. I, I definitely think Tibbs has given that a look. Yeah, I think he went out of his way to give it a look. Right, I think that was like in the third quarter he pulled Fournier pretty early um, in that game. Fournier's averaged the least minutes of the starters um, pretty consistently. Even like last game against Memphis, right? He only brought him back in because Randall fouled out. So. Um, yeah, no, I'm with you. I think, I, again, that's this is like, again, like being cautiously optimistic about Tibbs. Like, this is another thing with Tibbs that I am encouraged by. That, like, you know, me and Stacey, we've talked about, we talked about this a bunch um, when we signed Jalen Brunson. Is that, like, one of my concerns is that I think Brunson and Ike would be a really dynamic backcourt together. And I just wasn't sure that Tibbs would roll with it because there is some, like, size issues there. Um, but, like, man. Uh, those two together offensively, you can already see like those two with RJ Randall, whatever, like they can really play off each other. And when they figure out, you know, just like get that chemistry together, I think they're going to be really dynamic. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I think um, quickly played better last night as well. Um, I do think I agree that like playing with another guard, um, like Brunson, uh, especially like Brunson, who I think is a little bit better off ball movement than Rose, um, you know, is going to, because I think IQ is a really good screener, right? Um, he generated, I think, a couple of really good looks from screening. I don't know if you highlighted this, Ariel, or, or someone else did. Um, but, um, you know, that's, you know, that's very, so he can do that while still being able to share the load with, with Brunson, right? Um, and he can also help make up for, you know, having another good team defender out there, which I think, like, that would be the optimistic look on Fournier, that, like, he is a good team defender, so if they're getting beat at the point of attack, having smart rotation guys would help, but quickly might even be better than him at that, um, probably more effective given, you know, the, the, the physical tools. Um, so I, I think that, I mean, yesterday's performance, like, um, I was encouraged by. Um, I think there's still stuff to clean up. Uh, I do think playing against a weaker opponent helped. Um, like, he got that and one on Killian Hayes. Um, that's a good move that he has, but it's been more challenging for him to do that against better teams. Um, well, I think I think what he did, though, that was different. This, this move was different because he didn't try to take some bullshit-ass floater, right? He actually got him up in the air and then took, like, a normal jumper. He yeah, he also... He took like two or he, I think he hit like three mid-range jumpers in this game. Yeah, he was um, dribbling into his, and they're all pull-ups. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that what has, hurt, um, what he struggled with is over the offseason, he obviously added a lot of strength. So I think in terms of, Tibbs is never going to relent on IQ getting downhill, nor should he, right? That's, a, that's something you want him to add. Um, uh, I think he really likes that move where he just gets into the guy's chest, but he still has the touch to finish. So the options that creates are, um, you know, it, 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 um, you can draw a foul, um, quickly still capable of making that shot even through contact, but against better defensive bigs, you know, against, we saw it with Miles Turner, we saw it against Steven Adams, um, or even like bigger defenders, it's not going to be as easy to do that. 
So we'll have to develop some counters. I'd love to see a Euro step for him to add. Um, I think it's nice that he has that strength and he can kind of hit truck stick when he needs to. Um, but he's been going to it too often, and I think that's hurt his efficiency. Um, and then in terms of the shooting, I think like a lot of the criticism of IQ comes from, you know, if you take an early shot clock, he comes off a screen um, and he takes a pull-up three and it, because of the defenders and drop, that's a shot he's hitting about 35% of the time. It's not a bad shot, but it's people aren't used to seeing that as a good shot. Well, especially not with the Knicks. Um, by the way, he almost hit one in transition yesterday that like I would have fucking exploded on. Where like he sprinted, Obi brought the ball up kind of in the corner, and then he didn't have anywhere to go, so he was dribbling back out to the top. IQ was sprinting down the wing, got the ball from Obi, and like launched it as soon as he got it on the move that shit rimmed out but like that shot if that went in that would have been absolutely ridiculous i would have been like i think the garden would have just the the roof would have come off it would have looked like you know fucking larry johnson just made the four point shot again or something it was a crazy shot um but yeah no sorry i didn't mean to interrupt i just wanted to bring that up because that shot was insane yeah, so I mean, he's going to take some of those shots. I don't think Tibbs wants him to dial it back, but there's going to be a little bit more variance there. And it's, yeah, it's not used, like, if it's an, and I mean, there's going to be, um, there's going to be some, like, one of the things is just, like, in your head, how do you make the calculus, right? If you're coming off a Spain pick and roll, uh, and the big is rolling, but it's coming over late, maybe you're going to threaten the, the tagger versus you have an open floater or you have an open pull-up. Like, that decision-making in a split second, like, that is why, like, veteran point guards are so coveted um, because there's a lot going on there, right? Um, so I do think that last year he obviously kind of, we saw like in, in the second half of the season, it really clicked for him. Um, but in terms of reads and it's early, um, it seems like he's been a little bit more hit or miss. Um, Ariel, what have you seen in terms of that from quickly? Do you think maybe we overreacted to the second half of last season? Do you think it's kind of a a two steps forward, one step backwards kind of thing. Really curious to see what your uh, what your thoughts are on, on, on quickly so far. I think it's going to be like a bit of an up and down thing, like in terms of his playmaking. Um, I think there's going to be games where like last night where, where he sees everything going on and it's like easy going and he's finding guys in the corner. Like he found Rose for that three with a, with a left-handed skip pass. Um, but then there's going to be those games like in Memphis where they were, where they blitzed him a couple of times, and he just he he's caught off guard, and he just doesn't see the advantage that he created. Um, so I, I think it's still like a work in progress for him. Um, the one small thing I want to see him improve on this season is, is his three point percentage on catch and shoot threes. He takes a, a tough diet, three point diet, as I'm sure everybody knows. You know, it's a lot of pull up threes. It's a lot of you know threes like a few steps behind the, the, the three point line. Um, I think last season he shot like 32 or 33% um, just on catch and shoot threes. It was worse That's, than pull-ups, right? I think he was 35. Yeah, it was worse than pull-ups. Pull yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I, I was, right? yeah. and that was his role in college was mostly catch and shoot, and he shot 46% from three as a rookie. Granted, no fans on the stands, but yeah, sorry. I, 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 no, yeah, you're good. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of my point. It's just that if he can, that's the easiest way for him to like improve his three-point percentage. Um, is to just make those easy catch and shoot threes. He missed an easy one in the corner, like wide open last night. It was just one three pointer. But if he can add that, like I think we would, I think people would be more happy with him. Um, I think quickly is like the one guy on the Knicks that people are like always just waiting for him to have a bad game. Um, so I, I think if he just takes advantage of like the easy easy jumpers that he gets um, every once in a while, I think that would help like calm the noise down in terms of that. Um, but yeah, in terms of the driving and stuff, I, I'm kind of. 
it's going to be a lot of like trial and error, I think, for him there. Um, you kind of mentioned the, the different kinds of finishes he's doing. Um, but he's going to, it's going to take him a while because he's still kind of like adjusting to doing these like strength based finishes that he's like not done before. Um, like if you remember the, the preseason game against Indiana, like he really struggled with their size and stuff. Um, it was a little easier against Detroit last night because they, they don't have any bigs. Um, well, any room. What about the, the future Hall of Famer the Knicks passed on? <laughs> Jalen Durant. <laughs> um, it's going to take him a couple years before he becomes like an elite rim protector. But um, yeah, yeah. I just think it's like, a, like I said, he's just figuring it out. And there's going to be games where we're like, oh, shit, I think he's figured it out. And then there's going to be other games where we're like, OK, he's, you know, he's struggling again. Um, but again, it's a process. And I think we need to, like, keep in perspective just how much of a the amount of improvement he's shown just from college, he's basically a completely different player. Yeah, um, actually, that that's that's what was so encouraging, though. And not just the yesterday, he actually took a couple of these shots against Memphis, too. He just missed them. But, like, leaning into that balance of, like, yes, we're, like, he's developed a lot, like, a, a ton. We've talked about it a lot on here, and I'm sure you agree, I'm sure you agree with this, too. But, like, he's developed, I mean, his growth on the ball as a creator is like, I mean, I, I would not have expected that when we drafted him and I loved him when we drafted him. Um, but like, it's nice to see that off ball stuff come back in because now you're talking like, if he finds that balance, like, I mean, again, the, the, the crazy, amazing best version of this type of player is Steph Curry, right? He's not going to be Steph Curry, big shocker, but like, Guards like this that just can play both on and off and defend at a high level, like they're so valuable. They add dimensions to your team that like just don't exist otherwise. And yeah, like I, I and like, especially that profile of player also being a plus on defense, right? Yes, so. yeah, and like and he's like, man, I <laughs> I just gotta say this. We have to talk about forty eight, uh, but like the difference in just like. Man, give quickly Fournier size, and that dude's probably like defensive player of the year or something. Because he fights, he plays with so much physicality. He's like willing to mix it up. He does not. He does not give in. He he had Cade in fucking hell on a couple possessions. Cade had like he just didn't couldn't couldn't go anywhere on him. And Brunson, Cade's not only taller, but he's a beast. Yeah, know? and actually Brunson Brunson gives Cade problems too. It's actually kind of funny. Um, but like, I just think like. This is that off-ball piece that you're talking about. Like, that's the thing that like kind of disappeared last year, and to see it back now is really encouraging. Um, and maybe and, that'll help the the catch and shoot three point shooting. Yeah, like, yeah, hundred percent. Was talking about hundred percent. And I think like that's what you. I think that's ideally what he is as a player, and this is why. Like, it's kind of funny. Like, obviously, again, he's not going to be Steph Curry, but like. Curry gets a lot of these same type of... He's gotten a lot of these same type of criticisms in his career, right? Like, he's not a true point guard, you know? Like, he's not a true point, but it's like... It's like you're just punishing him because he's versatile enough to allow other guys to play on the ball. And he... Yeah, it's like saying Josh Allen isn't a true quarterback because he can run, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's like it doesn't really make sense to me. But, like, yeah, I mean, I just think... um, I I just think he... that's, That's the piece. And I think me and you were talked about this during the offseason too, Stacey, where it was like, we were a little bit concerned, like, is this gone? Like, is, you know, because you watch his Kentucky tape, and, like, he was, you know, he's probably, like, fucking the best off-ball player in the country that year. Um, he won SEC Player of the Year, despite yeah. 
playing with um, Maxie and Higgins, yeah. who were both stars. Right, and and they were all on-ball stars. Like he, his entire role was to be off the ball, running off screens, spotting up, whatever. And so, like to see that now, flashes of it coming back, especially in the minutes with like Brunson and Rose. Um, I mean, I think that's just like super encouraging and. That it is doesn't like, mean he can't get on ball reps too. It's just it's he can no no. It's been it's been both. It's been yeah. both. Like yesterday was a perfect example of it. I I do think there was some of him trying to like figure out that balance again because last year with Rose out most of the year and Kemba like just basically being exiled quickly had to basically just play on ball when he was in the game for the last what fifty five sixty games of the year. So I think there was a little bit of an adjustment probably. Um, with Rose back and, you know, playing with a guy like Reddish who, whether we agree or disagree, he fancies himself as a player who needs to be on the ball a bit too. Like, and Hartenstein, obviously being, as we talked about a big, who needs to be on the ball a little bit to get reps, um, to get value from offensively, which you want, like he's had to recalibrate his game again a little bit. And yesterday was like a good, it was a very good step in the right direction. We've seen flashes of it throughout the preseason, even as he's been struggling. But yesterday was obviously like, look, you're playing against Detroit. They're not a good team. But you know what? You know what good players do when they play bad teams? They do exactly what quickly did. Just absolutely fucking punish them. And um, doing it the way he did, I think, was really encouraging. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm happy to see him play well. Um, and, you know, I just think he's like, you know, him and RJ in a lot of ways are just like super key to this team punching above its expectations in a lot of ways. So um, I'm, I'm excited. I, I was really happy to see both of them play well in ways that like I want to see them play well. And I think that they need to play well to get the most out of this team. Um, I, I Sorry, just kind yeah. of before we wrap up on IQ. Um, so what I have off, so I don't think he'll be Steph, obviously I've said that. I have mentioned Van Fleet as the type of player um, he could be in terms of impact, like two-way. Um, and being able to play on ball, but also being able to play off ball um, and do some of those things. Um, and I think the strength gains kind of make me lean into that a little bit more. Um, Ariel, I'd be curious to your thoughts on that as maybe kind of, maybe not a ceiling, but like a realistic outcome, a realistic high-end outcome for quickly. I like I like the Van Vliet comp. Um, I think Van Vliet is like, he's, he's, he's the kind of point guard that is like you can play on or off ball, which I think quickly is exactly that. Um, well, at least a, a higher end outcome of quickly will be that. Um, and Van Vliet is solid on the defensive end. Um, he's one of the more underrated defenders. Um, and he's still kind of figuring out his in-between game, which I think quickly is kind of figuring out that as well. Um, so I do like the comp. I suck at comps. Um, so I can't give you like a different one. <laughs> um, but I do like the Van Vliet comp. I think that's fair. And then, yeah. And then the other thing I'll, I'll add kind of on what Schwinn was saying, um, I, do think it's worth noting. Uh, I hate that I even have to say this, but times like these, um, it's worth noting that when you haven't played with players as much, we've seen it with Hartenstein. Um, it takes reps to really get comfortable. Uh, we saw Randall, for example, when he lost Reggie Bullock, that was kind of his safety blanket, right? Um, it takes reps for some of these guys to know exactly where the other players are going to be, um, you know, how they like to cut, you know, who's going to lift versus who's going to stay in the corner, those kind of things. Um, and, um, and yeah, I think, you know, it, you, we have to kind of appreciate for a lot of these players, especially the younger ones, that there's going to be a bit of an adjustment process. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, I think you, you actually, a little shorter thread you did this morning. I thought that was a good com comparison where it's like, 
you know, a quarterback with a wide receiver, if they don't have those reps together, it doesn't matter if the wide receiver is running open. He doesn't trust him yet, and he doesn't know where he's going to be. So he might miss And that games. was especially frustrating for, I get it for, like, the Cam Hive, too, because they really want to see him show out. And it's frustrating for me because, like, people, like, I thought Devontae Smith was very underrated last year, right? Uh, people were hyping up Chase, and everyone's, and Smith only had, like, only 900 yards. And I thought he really, you know, could have had a great game against Tampa Bay. But, yeah, I mean, it takes time, so. And yeah. obviously, like, it's come, like, it, we're seeing the fruits of it this year, so. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just not worried, like, has he missed Cam on some reads? Sure. Do I think that's like he? You know who else he's missed on reads that nobody's bitching about? Isaiah Hardenstein. Like, it, do I think that he's trying to freeze these guys out? No. I think he just—they don't have that understanding yet. He doesn't have the chemistry built up with them yet. Whereas, like Rose and Obi, he knows. Where, like he knew, he set up Rose for like two corner threes yesterday. He knew he was going to be in the corner. You know what I mean? Like he knew that. Go like as he's creating those like that opening to feed him, he knew where Rose was going to be and he trusted him and he just threw it there instinctively, right? If you kind of, if you think about it, for him, in the minutes that IQ has played in his career, Cam right now is effectively replacing like Alec Burks. IQ and Burks played together a shit ton for two years. They played really well together. He, They obviously had a really good understanding and chemistry playing off each other. He doesn't have that with with Cam. Like, he, it it takes time to build that up. I would. Bet. I mean, Cam was even hurt. I think at the start of training camp, right? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He he missed some time, and like, I just think like it's give it give it time. Like, I understand that like these these fucking Cam stands are the, literally the most like insane delusional fucking people in the fan base. Somehow, like, guys, I promise you that Cam Reddish, like. If he's semi open, that doesn't, he's not like Michael Jordan, okay? Relax. Like, he doesn't need to get the ball every single time that he's, like, not, you know, completely defended by his man. It, it'll be fucking fine. Um, but, like, they just need to get the time together. And to that end, like, th like, the thing that really annoys me is I feel like these people that are just, like, insane about Cam, it feels like they're rooting against quickly. Like, at, like Cam plays a good game against Memphis. It was, a, like, he played great in that game. I was happy to see that. And it's like the first thing you see is like these like twenty fucking tweets, and it's just like from various people, and it's just like oh, uh, you know, quickly's a piece of shit. Yeah, no, well, not just that. It's like it's like oh, quickly might be out of the rotation. And it's like what are you talking about, man? Like, like I'm happy Cam played well. I'm happy, but let's be honest. Like he's not been in New York for a long time. He doesn't have equity built up, and whether you want to accept it or not, IQ has been an extremely positive player for the Knicks for two years fucking running. He has equity built up with this coach, with the organization, that Cam doesn't. Cam needs to build that up. And to that end, I'm happy to see Cam do that. I'm happy to see him have the game he did against Memphis. And I was happy to see him, like, if that is, I didn't think he played a good game yesterday. I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was a mixed bag. But guess what? If that's the worst, if that's the worst version of Cam we're going to get, he should be in the rotation. Because, like, you can see the things that he does and provides that, quite frankly, again, I, I keep saying this, but he has tools and skills and size that, like, nobody else in this roster can replicate. Like, so I want him to be good, and I want him to carve out a role on this team because if he does, it is going to make this team better. And he can be a very versatile—like, in the way we've talked about quickly's vers versatility, Cam— 
Cam's just size and potential skill set, like he gives you a guy that can give you a lot of lineup versatility that they just don't have otherwise. So like I would happy to see him work through it on the floor, you know? Like I think people gave him some shit, I think, for like the he took these two threes in the fourth quarter yesterday. I didn't think they were bad threes. I think he was just tired and didn't have his legs in it. I mean, front rim both of them. Um, I'm fine with those shots, though. I think they're good. They were good, decent quality threes. Like I'm, I'm good with him taking those shots. Um, it's the, you know, it's, it's the stuff I'm talking about. Like where, you know, Ariel talked about he came off staggers, and then he was like, he like dribbled behind his back. I wanted. I'm just like he lost it, turned it over, and be like, those are the things where you're like, okay, don't do that, right? Don't, <laughs> do, please don't do that. And then the other piece that I just would love for him to do is he is I, – I, I don't know I don't know if this is like he doesn't like the physicality. There's probably some element to that. But he – when he drives, he tries to contort his body in ways to like avoid and finish around contact. And if he would just embrace the contact more, he would get to the line a shit ton. He would get to the line so fucking much. Um, and he's a great free throw shooter. Like – those are the small things I like just it's better decision making, you know, on both ends, right? Like if you're guarding if you're guarding Bojan Bogdanovic, don't try to fucking shoot the gap and steal the ball every time, right? Just just go over and stick with him so he doesn't get an open three. Um and then on offense, obviously less is more with him. Always less is more with him. And then also just like again, like just embracing physicality a little bit more and and embracing contact when he drives more because that would go I mean, if he gets to the line again, he's such a great free throw shooter. His his scoring efficiency is going to just be fucking great. It'll be great, you know. I think it last was great year, last year, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he was like fifty seven true shooting last year. He couldn't even hit a three. So like, if he does that, it'll also like drive up his percentages at the rim, right? Because I think a lot of his poor finishing at the rim is because he's trying these unnecessarily extravagant finishes in order to avoid contact. But like, yeah, look, I, I've I don't know about you, Ariel, but like, I I still have to watch the video that uh, Azulo put up on his game against Memphis. But like, um, I, I was I've been encouraged by what I've seen the last two games from Cam, especially after whatever the hell that preseason was. Yeah, I've been encouraged as well. He's helping, and that's that's all you can really expect from him or, or want from him right now. Um, again, the biggest his biggest issue is just consistency. You know, he he's shown that he can do it. He just hasn't shown that he can do it. At, you know, night in night out. And that's the biggest thing. Um, that's what makes that's what makes good players good. It's just that they can consistently produce their production every night. Um, again, my biggest concern with him is like defensively, he gambles a lot, which I don't mind necessarily, probably as much as other people do, because I do think um, creating turnovers and getting out on a break is is something that an aspect of a team that someone needs. I think that was an aspect that Knicks missed from Nolan's Noel last year. Was just that he created a bunch of events on defense. Um, but yeah, offensively, I think he just has to keep cutting out those mid-range jumpers. Um, he had a really bad miss last night. Um, when he, it was in transition, uh, he came up to the free throw line and I thought he was going to take it to the basket, but he pulled up, which I don't mind, but I, like, that's a shot that like, if you're going to take it, you have to hit that. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. exactly. And, um, again, I'm not making this comparison directly, but his finishing, like the way you mentioned that, like avoiding contact. And like contorting his body it reminds me of like Derek Rose in the sense that Derek Rose is always trying to like avoid the contact, except like he's like elite at it. 
Um, and that's a big reason why, like, his free throw numbers are never as high as you would think as somebody who gets to the rim as much as Derrick Rose is. Um, so, yeah, Cam is very, like, avoiding avoiding contact, kind of, like, sidestep the defense, uh, get around the big. And if he just, like, drove in, he'd get to the free throw line so much more and uh, raise his efficiency, like you just mentioned. Um, but, again, overall, encouraging. Um, I think he's kind of carving out a role. It's Again, it's going to be tough on Tibbs, I think, when Grimes comes back. And then it becomes a whole conversation about what happened with Fournier. And it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tricky situation, I think, for Tibbs to manage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so I'll just say this: I have two two. I have a conspiracy theory and a take. Uh, my conspiracy theory <laughs> is that I think Grimes could actually play right now, and I feel like they're being super cautious with him because they want to give Cam burn. Um, that's my conspiracy theory. My take is that. I think they're going to trade Fournier, man. I I think like they're going to find a way to move him, and I I think that's how they solve it. Do you because, think they would like, attach one of the protected picks? If I don't be? think they I don't think they need to. I, like you base like you can tr- I I refuse to believe there's not a team in the NBA who doesn't have like a shitty worthless expiring contract or contracts. That well, there is one big one, a team that has gone like nine for ten thousand in their first two games from three. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, and that has an expiring contract that um, I, people are piling on him, so I'll, I'll be nice. But um, anyway, but if you look at that, I was talking with Max Hoover about this on Twitter. That seems like they would be an ideal fit for Fournier. Um, and, you know, he's saying it's really tough to make the salaries work um, because of just how massive that yeah. you can do Rose Fournier. You probably have to throw in someone like Obi, which that doesn't make sense unless the Knicks get back. Or, or you need to throw in Cam and like, Cam. like I really like. But then, I if you're going to trade Fournier, then like the part of the reason you'd want to trade Fournier is to get Cam in the rotation, right? So yeah, it, it's it, it's tricky, but I I just think like they're going to have to like look, look, think of it this way, right? If you let's say Cam plays roughly around the aggregate of the two games, right? That level. That he's played at, like so let's say that's what he's giving us consistently. They traded a protected first for him. They are clearly going to be more invested in him long term than fucking Evan Fournier, right? Like, so like you would keep him, and then Grimes, they're obviously more invested in than Evan Fournier. Like, I just like it's kind of and and Rose, Rose is Tibbs's guy. All the young dudes on the team love Rose. I think they like Evan too, but Rose is obviously different, right? It's like a totally different level of gravitas attached to him as a former MVP and all these kind of things. Like, it's different. Um, and he's obviously, like, I was a little bit worried that, you know, maybe he was, you know, he's 34. What is he going to do? And obviously he's not going to play 82 games, but, like, it was. it's just been nice to see, like, especially yesterday, like, seeing, okay, he's still good he's still got some bursts and him and iq still play well off each other like that stuff is good um i just think fournier makes the most sense to go because like yeah yeah so i i mean i agree with that i actually by the way i think rose would also be he would give um la some of what they need dude Uh, that team is a fucking a a big problem for them has been kendrick nunn is is too small really to hold up on defense i don't think he's been that bad but um that's an issue for them uh and monty walker's been actually pleasant surprise there on that end but also have i been dreaming or have they played some like have they been playing lebron at the five minutes like the first couple games they did they did in the last game against the clippers they did yeah and that's why they kind of came back in the games because they had lebron at the five 
And I think it engages him a little bit more when he can be the off. Like he's, I think he's more engaged on defense when he's playing that role. Um, but um, but I, I mean, I'm just saying. I think if you're talking about matching forty-seven million dollars, you probably have to include. That, I mean, that's what the trade would. I mean, unless you think there's another trade the Lakers could yeah. make that doesn't involve Westbrook. Well, I think like there's. It doesn't necessarily need to be just Lakers too, right? Like, like I don't know, Phoenix. Like they could probably use some shooting. Aside from what they have, they have some expiring contracts. Um, you know, there's just dudes around the NBA, like teams around the NBA, that I think ultimately need more shooting. And you know, if the Knicks are just like, "Hey, give us a couple seconds," and some whatever bullshit expiring salary you have, I think that that just seems like a very workable construct for a deal. Now, they just need Fournier to like make more, like just keep shooting well from three, and that'll I, I think that is pretty bankable given his history if he does that i think there'll be a market for him you know like detroit got boyan for basically nothing right will the knicks give away fournier for basically nothing i think they would eventually if cam is playing well and grimes is back they kind of have to right you know i just don't know are you going to trade cam at that point i doubt it like maybe if you got an unprotected pick from somebody but who the fuck is giving you an unprotected pick for cam and then you have to, you have to pay cam you know i just don't think that's going to happen and so, like, I don't know. I feel like Fournier is the inevitable guy that ends up figuring, like, some team is just going to need shooter and shooters and figure it out. Like, you know, I don't know how Chicago could definitely fucking use him, for being honest. Um, I don't know if they have the contracts to match, but, like, they definitely could use him. Uh, there are a lot of teams that could use him. So, yeah, I mean, I, that's that's my take, though. I think Fournier is going to get moved at some point. Um yeah, yeah, I, 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 I would agree. I just think, yeah, like the contract, I think, is tough. That's the that's the challenge. Sorry, Ariel, go ahead. No, I was gonna say one small point too. If you get if you trade Fournier and you know you slide in Cam and uh, do well, sorry, Grimes in the rotation. Um, those games that Rose is inevitably gonna miss, whether it's rest or, or injury, um, you, you can get do some spot minutes as well, which I, I think Tibbs is like kind of wants to do to an extent. Seems like he wanted to do it in the preseason, which he gave him a lot of burn in preseason. Exactly. He even played him with Brunson and quickly at times, or with Brunson or with with Rosen um, quickly and quickly. Yeah, yeah, the three guard lineup. So yeah, I think that's another like small little like benefit to uh, trading Fournier. And I say that as someone who I think is like who I think I like Fournier more than most Knicks fans. Um, but I, I do think that his role on this team is, is it's getting harder to like see yeah. with, with the guys that are on the bench. And I, I'm with you. I think that, um, first of all, he's like actually one of the more likable guys on the Knicks. Um, he's yeah. a fun interview, uh, fun personality. Um, I know. She was about to be like, good personality. I don't give a shit. Good no, fathers. I, Go home I, and play I, with your kids. Fuck no, you. <laughs> I, I, I actually, I like, I like Evan's personality. I think he gives a lot of candid answers that, um, I think, yeah, I agree with that. I think there's something to, to yeah. that. Um, so, but, and I think his shooting really does add value. Um, I think, I, again, I don't know if it was you, Ariel, or, or um, it was Benji posted about, um, you know, Fournier's passing, right, as a secondary playmaker operating from the top of the key. I think if he, if we don't trade him, let's say Cam thing doesn't work out, or who knows, maybe Cam is really good and IQ ends up in a funk and they're like, you know, he has to be deprioritized or something. I do think it's just, it's tough to not think that Fournier was a much better fit with that bench, um, where whether it's Grimes, well, he probably wouldn't be playing next to Grimes, but if he's playing next to Rose or IQ, 
or or if Cam does manage to stick in the rotation, his defense will likely be better. That is just going to be a better situation for Fournier, right? Both in terms of defense, obviously, but also like um, you know, it's he's not going. I mean, he's really the fifth option almost, right? Because Mitch runs all those pick and rolls with with Brunson. There's a fifth option on offense. He's mostly just being used as a shooter. Give him credit for adapting and not complaining. But on the bench, um, you can see, you know, there might be more opportunity, you know, running some screens with IQ, right? Like we've seen like IQ's off-ball screen game is really good. If teams have to deal with those two shooters, um, you know, in, on one end and then a rose pick and roll on the other um, with Hartenstein also having some uh, some mid-range ability, you know, that that's where Fournier's ability to catch pump fake, attack a little bit, his vision. Um, he, he's probably, he besides, it's between him and Quickly, I think, in terms of being the best entry passer on the Knicks, that's kind of wasted still on Mitch, right? Because Mitch just, um, that's just not going to be a big part of Mitch's game. That's, but Hartenstein playing the post, Obi getting seals, like these are the guys that I think um, Fournier can really mesh with. Um, so I, I would agree, Ariel, I don't hate his game as much as a lot of the Knicks fans do. Uh, I do think he's a much better fit off the bench. And for the exact same reasons, I think Grimes is a better fit with the starting lineup, right? I think Grimes is better at attacking off the dribble than he was last year. But, um, you know, that's what Fournier gives you that Grimes probably still isn't there yet. But what Grimes gives you is what that lineup needs more of, which is kind of that um, that point of attack defense. Um, so that allows RJ to kind of guard threes, as well as the ability to... Um, and I mean, his his playmaking isn't as good as Fournier's, but it's a, it's a low threshold there, right? Like you have to be able to hit an open catch and shoot three and attack the closeout. And, and Fournier is like the fourth option. Like, how much playmaking is does that? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it's it's yeah. it was it's the Reggie Bullock thing, right? Like yeah. we signed him because we saw in the playoffs that they could hide uh, Trey Young on Reggie Bullock. You can't do that with Fournier, but I also don't think you can do that with Grimes. Like he's not a, like he can attack a closeout, and he showed flashes of some playmaking. So I think um, I just think that's the way I would go, uh, whether or not Fournier's here. Um, but yeah, it, it makes too much sense not to happen. I, I I think I think they know it as well. If I had to guess, I think whenever Grimes comes back healthy, they're gonna give him a couple games off the bench, and if he pops, they're they're gonna move him into the starting lineup, like within so a handful of games. You, it just makes so much sense. So do you think you think Fournier gets moved? If he doesn't, who do you think would be the odd man out? Do you think Tibbs would actually bench Fournier? I don't think he'd get benched, uh, like completely, like sit out. I, I think I think Cam would go back, honestly, to being situational, which which I know doesn't like the way he's playing. You want to give him minutes, but it's just too many mouths to feed. I think, and I don't think they want to bench Fournier because they they signed him to to a decent amount of money. Yeah, I mean that's how I think it would play out. I don't. I hope that's not how it plays out because I think that bench unit with Cam in that three spot. I think could be really dynamic and fun Same. and, and defensively again, like he's got so much to flesh out because his decision-making on defense and technique and concentration, all these kind of things are like all over the place, but you can see like what his length with Obi's length with IQ's length, like that's a defense that has the potential, not just to like be disruptive, but also trigger your transition game. Right. We saw that yesterday. Like totally tri- triggered their transition game, and we've when, seen Cam be capable of being a one-man fast break, right? Especially in that Memphis game. So. Yeah, right. And I just think like there's just something there that feels like very dynamic. Um, and I know Evans' shooting would fit well off the bench with these guys, 
but it's I don't know. It's it it I just feel like Evan is the odd man out in this team right now to me. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe he would come up. Maybe you replace Reddish off the bench with Fournier, and all of a sudden that team is like the best off that, that unit's like the best offense in basketball or something. But um, I just defensively, man, it is so it is tough watching what they the Pistons like. They got back in the game yesterday for a little bit in the third, just basically because Cade was like, okay, I'm going to get switched onto Evan, and then I'm just going to be able to easily overpower him and get to the rim. And, like, yeah, I know Cade's a big dude, but you have to put up some type of, like, physical resistance. And Evan just doesn't at all. He's just so slow and kind of not willing to mix it up. And then it's like you compare that to somebody, like, quickly, who's at an even bigger disadvantage, but he's fighting, right? He's, like, putting his body on the line. He's he's getting underneath him so that he's, like, harder to move. And Evan just kind of, like... Evan just, like, stands straight up and puts his hands up. And I'm like, dude, that's not actually much of an effort. Like, like you're not, you're not like, providing – you're not trying to hold your position. You're just, like, trying to be in the way, which doesn't work against a guy that can overpower you. Um, by the way, I got to say, that was a fucking rough game for Cade. He looked awful. Like, that was – that was brutal. I, I was – I don't know. I'm I'm not saying like I'm concerned about him, but wow, that was really really bad. I thought he always struggles against New York. He does, but like, uh, didn't he have that one close game? He, he I thought he was pretty good, right? The one where Burks got yeah, the game winning stop at the at the end of last season. But like, I don't know, man. I, I don't remember that one. I just look. I, I don't want to like sound the alarm bell on him, and he ended up having a like, pretty decent line, but um, I. I just continue to strongly believe that uh, Evan Mobley will be the guy from that draft. I I believe that too, but not because I'm at all down on Cade. I just yeah, I just Evan's just like I, yeah, like it's look he had a bad game yesterday, but it's like it's a one game, second game of the season. He's like I see Cade being something like a five plus time All Star. Um, I see Evan being yeah. Do you guys think? Do you guys think Jalen Green's in that conversation? He's had a great start to the season. I've, I'm like falling in love with his game slowly. I have, really... I have an agenda against him because he got drafted <laughs> by the Rockets, so <laughs> I can't, in good conscience, root for him. I respect uh, it, but, but no, I, I'm, I wouldn't put him in that. I think he's in the second tier of that. I think I, if I had to tier that draft, I'd put Mobley and Cade in the first tier. I would put Jalen Green still in like the tier with Franz, Scotty Barnes, um. And Franz, Franz is up there with the other two, man. Get the hell out of here. I, I'm not. Um, it's you're, weird. You're I feel like hater. we're never homers at the same time. Like, <laughs> I feel like the guys I'm homer about, you're like, eh, fuck Jordan Poole. Yeah. And then um, I, I, I do like Franz. He was terrible yesterday, by the way, Jordan Poole. Um, so yeah, I don't know Franz. Yeah. Um, it's going to happen, right? Um, but with Franz, they actually, Orlando played a lineup. Uh, I forgot who highlighted this, but it, it was, was like he was basically the point guard in this. Like he was the smallest. He was bringing it up, initiating the offense, everything. I think it, it was, was like, like Franz, Bobo. Bamba, Carter, Paolo, and um, was it Bobo? Yeah, no, <laughs> it was like Bobo, right? <laughs> yeah. Which, first of all, like uh, who's the coach of the Magic? Um, uh, it's uh, Jamal Mosley, I think. Yeah, yeah, Jamal. Shout Mosley. out Jamal Mosley. That's just like that's <laughs> the shit you should be doing, by the way, if you're not expected to be a playoff team like 
that's fun. And uh, I, I don't think it worked very well on offense, but, you know, um, but yeah, just to, to answer your question. Try I, it, right? Like, just try it. Why not? Yeah. Um, I, I think that um, I'm still, I don't, I don't know if I would quite put Jalen Green in the same convo as Cade yet, but I, I, think, I, I think I would. Yeah, here's, I, here's, I think this is even more interesting. I, I just think those who, guys offer a little bit more other than scoring, even though Jalen Green can who, be an elite scorer. Who ends up being a better scorer, Jalen Green or Anthony Edwards? The fact that this is even a conversation is, um, is a huge credit to... I, I'm not going to lie. Green. I saw a Rockets Twitter like talking about this all offseason. I was like, this is insane. I, I can't deny his start to the season has been very impressive, though, Jalen Green. Yeah. And I, I mean, think it's like a conversation. I think it's a conversation. It's like, it definitely is a conversation. Or, um, and I think, he, to his credit, I think like he's relatively advanced in terms of his decision-making. I think last year probably left a lot to be desired. But I think like that archetype, you just think of them being kind of, um, you know, just a scorer, right? Like a Zach Levine type. Uh, and I think his game has been a little bit more well... Like I said, I, I, don't, I think Cade and Mobley offer so much on defense and as playmakers that that's probably the gap. But that's fair. to your point, Ariel, I think that it's, it's not like he's just um, like an empty calorie scorer. I think there's, there is more to his game than that. And also, like, yeah. this empty calorie scorer stuff for like, young players is so fucking stupid. It's lazy. Well, I think like, people see it's, guys like Levine or you know, those kind of things. Like I, like I, I'm guilty of it, too. I fucking said it about Jalen Green. I said it about Devin Booker. But it's like... I mean, if you really think about it, like Devin Booker was an empty calorie scorer until what? Until they put an actual fucking team around him. Exactly. And now you're like, oh, wow, he's like a really good two guard, like all star two guard. And I just think Jalen Green is, do I think him and Kevin Porter Jr. is the is the foundation I would be building around? Probably not. I don't love that fit long term at all. Um, but like. Well, they got Jabari too, so. Yeah, I mean, Jabari, he had a. Sorry. Well, he's, he's going to be a bit of a project. But yeah, yeah. He, dude, Jabari had a brutal game last night. I was watching the highlights. Just He was a minus 31 in a 7-point loss. Let's Jesus. <laughs> wow. That is tough That's to crazy. do. You couldn't, I don't think you can do that if you tried. Yeah, you should look at their box score. It's pretty insane. Um, but like, I just, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, like that, that they're just never going to get it together on defense. I don't care how young they are. Like, Jalen Green's, he doesn't have the broad shoulders, right? So like, he's more, like, to me, he's like, it's very rare you get this now with how the league is, but he's like a pure two to me. He's not gonna. He's not a two three. I don't think you can play him down at the three. I don't think he projects to have that type of size. Anthony Edwards, I think they're like probably the same height, but he, I mean Edwards is fucking he's a football player. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. ridiculous. Like you can play him at the three even if he's given up height because he's so strong. Um, I I suspect you might even be able to play him at the four in some lineups, um, but like. Because of that, I just think it's really important that they they have to find the right point guard for him, and they have in it like it can be a bigger guard. And I agree with you, Stacey, to some extent. Like, I think there's some real like playmaking upside with Green, right? When you can score like that, it just the playmaking threshold isn't that high, right? Because you're going to naturally force defenses to give you attention that creates kind of like easier assist opportunities. So they don't necessarily need to have some like awesome dynamic playmaking point guard, but they just need to have somebody that's more defensively solid next to him that can protect him um, than Kevin Porter Jr. Um, that's just like you know I just think that. But yeah, like Tari, I love that that pick for them, which I also hate because I hate them. Um, but like he's so fucking fun. Uh, I don't even think like he's another one of these guys where it's like I don't even think he knows what the hell he's doing half the time. 
but he just does so much shit that like it's fine. You know, like you're just like, oh yeah, Tari's in like six point like yesterday, twenty minutes, six point seven rebounds, one assist, one block. Like he's just gonna do shit. Um and I think the more lengthy, physical, defensive minded players you put around Jalen Green, uh, that aren't offensive zeros, the more you're gonna get out of him and, and unlock him. But yeah, like he's he's definitely been impressive to start this season, I can say that much. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about uh, one Julie or not Julius Randle, uh, Obi Toppin. Uh, we haven't really touched on him too much. I didn't. <laughs> yes, I will do that. Uh, I didn't think too much of like the Memphis game again. It was just so weird. Like I, I, I kind of just like tossed that game out for the bench guys. I'm like, I don't know what the hell happened. Everybody looked out of sorts except for Cam. Whatever. Um, I, I like, I, I, I'm pretty optimistic about what he can do. Like I, the three ball, I know that that air ball was so ugly. Um, but like, I think he's going to shoot like 35% from three. I buy that. And he's got to be more physical. Than, like he gave up an offensive rebound yesterday to Kevin Knox, which was absurd. <laughs> it should never happen. On a fucking, the on a same fucking, guy who Zion just destroyed yeah. in summer league. Yeah, and it was on a fucking free throw too. Like I, I think Tibbs pulled him out like pretty shortly after that. <laughs> um, and I was totally on board with that. Like, like defensive rebounding for me is just like it's one of my biggest pet peeves because it's it's not you can be you can give up size, you can give up height, and you can still be good at defensive rebounding just by like getting your fucking ass into like your man and backing him up. You know, back that thing up. Um, but like it's it, it, it's that's the one thing with him that I am like, come on. Like he made strides on that end last year. It's been a little bit of a letdown so far this year in terms of defensive rebounding very specifically. But I still like I just there's a dynamic like when he's in the game that just I don't know, like I it just it feels like very pinballish, very fun, very fast. Um, I think who was it? I forgot who it was that was on KFTV a couple weeks ago, but um, he was saying like you know he just changes how the team plays when he's on the floor. Like it's just not the same with him. It's not like it's not like Julius and him are like plug and play, right? They they change how the team plays, and there's something there with Obi that I think like at some point they're gonna have to look. Yesterday's minutes distribution was great. So hopefully we can beat every team by like twenty five points, and Obi will get a lot of time. But um, you know, you also have the Memphis game where he didn't trust Obi, and so like you just hope that that's not the norm. Yeah, I mean, um, with Obi, I think twenty like the the minutes balance last night was kind of what you'd want to see. Um, I think probably mixing and matching a little bit more would help. Uh, we know Tibbs is a little bit averse to that. Um, but um, not just with OB, but um, in terms of things like defensive rebounding and, and some of Randall's shortcomings, I've argued this for a long time. I don't think it helped that if you have a guy who's not, who's truly, you know, was jogging back on defense last year, wasn't shooting the ball well. I don't think it necessarily helps to play him 36 minutes. Um, and Randall actually only played 25 yesterday, but um, that's because they give guys like Svee McHilek Shout out to Sweet McKaylick, right now the highest percentage three-point shooter on the Knicks at uh, 100%. Um, but um, but um, yeah, like I think it can help keep Randall fresh 
Um, so, you know, even if it's so that he can, you know, continue to make some of those plays on defense that we were seeing against Memphis and, um, and Obi just, he makes, he makes guys better, you know? Um, and, um, I, I think he's starting to develop some chemistry with Cam too. They had a nice alley-oop on the fast break. Um, I think getting him reps with Brunson is going to be important. Uh, I mean, I, we haven't even talked about Brunson that much, but I think that getting as many guys reps with him is going to help a lot because it seems like, you know, he makes them better as things you typically say about pass heavy guys. But for Brunson, who, by the way, had nine assists his first game against, I think, one turnover, six assists against zero turnovers last night. Um, he is a guy who makes guys better largely because of just how much of attention he draws and how many ways he can threaten a defense. Um, so I, I'd like to see more of that from Obi. Uh, I think his defense has actually been quite good. Uh, he's really intelligent in terms of using his length. Um, you know, there's there's obviously going to be shortcomings, but um, but it's um, it's a lot of good stuff, and it's also why I wasn't freaking out when he had kind of a quiet game against Memphis. Uh, you know, there's going to be some ebbs and flows, but it's, like he's, I think, the young guys you're always looking for consistency. Um, I think he's the one I'm least worried about in terms of consistency, um, largely because he's not going to be asked to do things as difficult as, um, as especially RJ and IQ are going to be asked to do, but uh, also just because um, because he, he, he executes pretty well on a nightly basis, right? And, and his energy doesn't wane, and uh, he has a really good mind for the game. And I don't think it's a coincidence, I've said this on Twitter today too, that he came into the league uh, later than those guys, and, and he's adapted pretty quickly. And, and he's um, he'll be twenty five this year, um, and uh, out of this season. And I think that um, you know you can see that I think as a result of those things, he'll probably be the most consistent uh, of the young Knicks. I think um, whether or not his shots falling. Yeah, the thing I'm, I'm most excited for like the Ob Hartenstein dynamic. I just think there's like interchangeable in a way that can finally like have the Knicks utilize Obi in a way that's you know best for him you know using him more as a roller instead of spotting up in the corner I think there's a lot more things you can do too with like dribble handoffs I think there's a lot of room for growth for Obi offensively like and not even him changing his game it's just him being utilized like in the way we thought he would be when he was drafted um defensively again I, I think he's pretty solid defensively I think at worst he's like a net neutral like he's not hurting you he's not helping you at worst um even last season there were times like I remember against the against the Sixers the Sixers were really targeting him and he held his own in, in like isolation against Harden who I know was hurt but it's still James Harden um but yeah I, I do think with the the defensive rebounding is a big thing with with Obi just because Hartenstein does kind of struggle on that at that aspect um, but then it also, it's also a thing where like, you kind of want OB leaking out in transition anyways. So I wonder how they're going to kind of figure out that dynamic where like, you probably need OB to help on the glass more, but you also want him doing what he does best. And that's creating transition opportunities. Um, and a small thing that I would just love to see him like develop more as just in general is kind of like being a secondary rim protector. Cause I think that would dramatically like change things for him and like how he, how his kind of future can like be perceived um if he can become like a reliable secondary rim protector um like he, he becomes like a real problem for for teams uh, his, his athleticism and his length you know um but yeah overall i'm never really concerned when obi has a bad game even though he had a good game last night but referring to memphis just because the things he brings is something that he can bring every night you know 
when the shooting is there, it's just like the icing on the cake. But you know what you're going to get from Obi in terms of like effort and you know creating those transition opportunities and easy buckets. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. So on the rim protection, what strides do you think he has to make? Because I actually am starting to see that as a strength. Um, I think one thing Tibbs realized very early is that Obi has his weaknesses on defense in terms of lateral movement. Uh, I I think Prez has mentioned uh, this a few times in terms of Obi does look like whatever, maybe it was hot yoga or whatever, but he looks more flexible um, in that regard. But one thing that he's always been good at is running very fast in a straight line and jumping high, right? Uh, And I think that's why, and Tibbs has adapted. uh, When Obi was a rookie, he used them much more like in pick and roll coverage. He used them to hedge, which is not something Tibbs typically does. But he had uh, Obi doing it because he's much more effective disrupting that pass or trapping than he is sitting and drop, right? Uh, even if it does, is a little bit more of a risky play. Um, but I, you know, I think last year opponents shot like, I think 6% worse at the rim against Obi, which is, that's not like a Mitchell Robinson type number, but pretty solid. He averaged know. a block. Yeah, he averaged a block. It was actually, him, his and Randall's numbers are actually freakishly close. Um, but, um, but he also averaged like a block for 36. And generally, I feel like he's been good at that. So I'm curious, like what else you'd want to see from him in terms of growth there? Um, I just want to see it more, I guess. Um, I just, yeah. I, when I'm watching film, I don't really like see it per se. Like it doesn't jump out at me. Um, maybe I'm just missing it. That could be, I didn't, I didn't know he was had defenders shooting 6% worse. Um, but I just think that kind of thing, like if it jumps and if it pops more, I think that's the kind of thing that would lend itself to like maybe Thibodeau being more open to doing the, the small ball lineup with him and Julius. Um, yeah. Although I think I think just Thibodeau just doesn't want to do it, to be honest, or whatever his real reason <laughs> is. Um, but yeah, I, I just, that's kind of what I meant. I'm not disparaging him. I don't know. I just, I'm just i saying I just haven't seen it. Like, maybe yeah. I'm just no, missing it. Though. Yeah. No, no, I, and yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say, like, he's not some, we're not talking about, um, like, even like Brandon Clark or something here. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I was just curious, like, what your thoughts were on that. So. Okay. Uh, um. Have you guys have you guys watched uh, Miami at all? I'm like a little. I haven't bit, seen I'm, it. I'm a little bit concerned about them. Not like they'll make the playoffs; it'll be fine. But like, I I don't think they can compete. I just I don't think there's a shot. This team they have no size. Like this, their starting lineup right now is Lowry, Hero, Caleb Martin, Jimmy Butler, and Bam. Like that's I don't know, man. I think they're just gonna get. Boston just looked a class above them, and I know it was only a seven-point game, but and obviously Boston's really good too. But like, you know, Boston doesn't even have Robert Williams yet. Um, I don't know. I I just I don't see it for them, man. I'm that that team. I mean, when you say you don't see it for them, do you see? Are you talking about title contention, or do you think this is like maybe a team in danger of being in the play-in? I could see playing. I mean, the East is really good. Like people will take that. At, like I, the one Heat fan that listens to this pod, uh, shout out Kelly O'Burner. Uh, he might take that as slander. I don't think that's slander. I just think the East is really good. So like, if you get off to a slow start, you're you're potentially going to drop into the play-in. Um, I just worry like the size. Like, I mean, look at just look at their roster. Like, I, I don't know. Like, other than Hero, like, is there somebody that you're like, this guy could pop? I mean, the one dude is Bam. probably. I mean, Bam, but like. Bam's not going to pop like like we already know Bam is at an all-star level, right? And potentially all NBA level. Like if he pops, it's not going to 
totally alter how you feel about. Yeah, that I mean, team if he starts shooting at a high level or the playmaking takes another leap, yeah. I've I've been but I've been waiting. He hit that level pretty early, and to your point, I think we've seen him stay at pretty much that level for two or three yeah, years which, now. So, which by the way, I think people are like to your point though, it's like that level is really good, and I think sometimes people are like insane about how critical they are of him. Um, yeah, it's just like he reached a high level so so quickly that people are like, well, maybe he can, maybe he can be like that um, point forward. Yeah, or like, but he's he's a really good passer too, right? Yeah, so he is. can be that. And people with Jokic and Giannis and all these guys who are creators, I think they've wanted to see that, and he hasn't quite taken that leap. He's still only twenty five, but um, to your yeah, I mean, I I think that I would put him in there as like you know maybe it's something clicks. Um, I, I was gonna say like I think I think they're gonna have to play Jokic. Like I just I liked him a lot. Um, if they're did you like him as a prospect? Um, I I liked him as like a top twenty guy. I know um, Erson Demir was really in on him. Um, I was really worried about the defense, but uh, but he has a really tantalizing skill set. And to your point, he, he gives them some dynamism on offense that I think they're missing. Yeah, and, and I just think like him and Bam. Like now, if you play those two guys together, like that's one of those front courts where you're like, how do we, like if assuming Jovic kind of like optimizes his skill set, right? It's just like, how do we defend this exactly? Like, what are we doing? How are we matching up? Um, but, like, it's tough to put that on a rookie. He's also... Is he the youngest? He's the second youngest player in the league, right? Because I think... I think Durant. Durant. Yeah. yeah, Durant's the youngest. But, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I just look at that roster and I'm like, it... I, I know that Spolster's going to find a way to, like, squeeze fucking 48 wins out of this team, probably. But it's like, I don't know if they're I mean, are you taking them in a series over Boston? I'm definitely not. I feel like last year Boston should have won that series at five, and so I won seven. Um, I think I, I'm going to take Milwaukee in a series over them. I'm probably going to take Philly in a series over them, even though, man, Embiid has looked rough the first two games. Uh, I, I think I'd probably take Toronto in a series over them. You know, I don't even a feel lot of length to deal them. with. Yeah, and I, I just, I don't know. Like, I'm. Cleveland NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app Opt in and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of JID, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. 
It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. I personally just love the, uh, the, the earbud tap functions. Those are really nice. Uh, the awareness mode is also great because as soon as you turn on your little Bluetooth thing on the phone, it automatically locks in. And uh, let me tell you, I go on a run every single day. I can't hear anything uh, when I have these in. So highly recommend, have enjoyed my usage of them. Uh, go to buyraycon.com today and use code TBPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TBPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code TBPN15. So yeah, I, I wanted to ask you guys about Kyle Lowry because I've been seeing a lot of tweets. I haven't seen them myself, but... um that he hasn't been playing too well, which he's pretty important for that team. So I just want to hear what you guys think or have seen from him. Uh, I mean, he hasn't looked terrible. Like, I, he looked bad in the first game, for sure. I thought he looked better from what little bit I saw yesterday. But, like, he had a bad season last year. Like, really bad for him, especially. He had a couple of nice playoffs games, but he was not good in the playoffs. He's, what, 38? How old is he now? Kyle Lowry is 36. But he's, he's 36. Like, yeah. But he's played like, I mean, he's played super physical minutes that are taxing on his body, right? Like, he plays a physical brand that I think is, like, tough on him. And, again, it's just like, I don't know. Like, if, are you hoping for him to bounce back and, like, if that's that's the hope, okay. I just, There's something definitely he can bounce off of. But. Yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely has something there, uh, a bubble perhaps. Um, but like, he, I don't know. I, I just this team. It feels like I know they always find value. You know, undrafted free agents, guys they develop in the G League. You know, Jovic we talked about. Like, I just. Like, is Jovic going to help them compete this season, though? I don't know. I'm, I, that That's tough to ask of him. And then without him, like, what are the upside pieces here that you could bank on or at least bet on? And it's just, like, Hero and Gabe Vincent? You know, I, I don't know. I just feels a little off to me. Um, but, Stacey, I think you had uh, another team you wanted to talk about, but in the West, not in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, this is a team that's getting a lot of hype right now in NBA Twitter. Had a very impressing, impressive opening night win against uh, in Brooklyn. Stacy's um, favorite team, favorite place. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but um, what I'll um, so I'm curious because you know, there were a lot of spacing issues that you raised, Shwin. I don't know that you're sold on them, but they have just small teams on the offensive glass. Uh, Brandon Ingram looks to have reached another level. Um, I mentioned, uh, you know, I, I think it was Brashad Phillips who said, you know, basically Ingram has reached Tatum's level. Um, and, um, you know, I'm not there, uh, but he's um, he's really playing at a high level. And um, and then, they, I mean, CJ, if CJ McCollum is their third option, um, and then, you know, it's really just the spacing, but it might not matter because Zion's that freaking good. Um, so I, I don't know, Ariel, I'm definitely curious to your thoughts as well uh, on New Orleans. It's a little bit of a funky roster construction, but there's a ton of talent. Yeah, I think, you know, the spacing concerns are valid, but I think they kind of have the perfect guys 
to like operate in a bad spacing kind of environment. Like Brandon Ingram hits tough shots, CJ McCollum hits tough shots, Zion creates space just by moving um in any direction. Um and then Valentinus is like a great offensive rebounder, a rebounder in general. And I love him. He's awesome. Yeah, I think he's one of the more underrated players in the league. Yeah. Um and if he's your like fourth option or like that your team is probably very good offensively and they are. And Brandon Ingram seems like he's taken like a playmaking leap. Um, and, and like the confidence he had last season against the Suns in the playoffs, like I, I'm in on this team. Um, I don't think they're going to like, I think they're like a year or two away. I think they need like Trey Murphy, like to like take another, like, like a leap, like a small leap. Um, and I, I think they need like some more shooting and like defensive guys around, but I also like Dyson Daniels. Like he, I don't think he played last night, but like, he's like another rookie they've drafted who can defend his ass off immediately. Um, so yeah, I'm, I really like how the roster is coming along. I don't think they're there just yet, but they're going to give a lot of teams problems this year. Um, yeah, look, I think these teams, right, they played Brooklyn and then they played, uh, fucking Charlotte. Charlotte. Absolutely. Like those are teams they are going to destroy because like you said, like they're just too fucking strong. They're, they're too big on the glass. Valanchunas by himself is like an elite offensive rebounding unit. Now you add Zion to that mix, like, and then they have what? They have like Larry Nance Jr. off the, off the bench. Like they, they've got these big fucking dudes that are just gonna crash the glass and beat the piss out of you. Um, that's that's like you know Charlotte has they're like fucking starting what PJ Washington, in the, as their center right now. Who the hell like they're Plumlee? I think. Yeah, it was just okay. The corpse of Mason Plumlee. Uh, <laughs> And then you've got, you know, Brooklyn is just, I know they won yesterday, but, like, it's kind of weird. Like, Toronto has a lot of size, but they don't have big size, if you know what I mean. Like, they don't have, you know, like, Boucher is their big, and he's literally Chris Boucher. Yeah, they have um, a lot of wing size, but yeah. the centers big, are not over. Even, even big wing size, right? But they don't have, like, dudes that are necessarily going to maul you and just, like, absolutely bully you under the glass. So I But, like, I want to see them against... I know, I know Minnesota hasn't had the most inspiring start of the season. I think they're working through some things. But, like, I would like to see them against Minnesota. Um, I suspect they would not have the same level of success uh, against a team that has Rudy Gobert. You're talking I, about New Orleans or Brooklyn? New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see them. Weirdly, I know <laughs> I know Golden State didn't have a good game yesterday. Golden State's, like, been a really good defensive rebounding team. I would like to see them against a Golden State. I would like to see them against Denver. Uh, I would like to just see them against teams that have strong defensive rebounding profiles and how they fare against them because I still think the spacing issues are real. I still don't love how they fit cohesively on offense, Like, which isn't to say they won't be a good offense. I think they definitely will be. Will they be the best? Like, Will they, will they be as good as people think? Will they be the best highest end of like the talent that they have at their disposal. I don't know. I'm still skeptical of that. I still don't like I mean, I think defensively the questions about them are totally valid. You're starting fucking CJ McCollum, Zion, and Ingram together in a fucking starting lineup, that's not that's not good. Um and like trust me, I love Valentinus. I think he's actually like a kind of underrated defender, but he's not a guy that's going to elevate your defense, right? He's a guy that like can do a task and do it well, but he's not going to cover up for others. So I just worry, like... I do you mean, think he's my, a better defender than Jokic? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, 
Man, I, I'm like, but I've like always really liked Valanciunas. I think he gets a bad, I think he got a bad rap in Toronto. Um, and I just think he's had like a really cool career. You know, he's like gone to three different teams now and all those teams fan bases have really liked him and he's been a productive player everywhere. Like that's the thing with him. He's just fucking productive, man. Like that guy is just like a walking efficient double, double. And he's not a bad defender. He's not a great defender. But he's not a bad defender. Like, I feel like every time we play, like Mitch plays and Mitch is in a fight. Well, you know, he's, stretch bigs always give us so much trouble. And side note, that's why, sorry to interrupt, but um, Orlando is going to be a very interesting matchup because Carter can, can stretch Mitch out. Uh, and they have a lot of, and if, if you don't have a room protector against them, uh, guys like Franz, it's, uh, they get dicey. But yeah, I, I, I think stretch fives always give Mitch a little bit of a trouble. Yeah, and not just that, he's also just strong as hell. Yeah. Like, him and Adams are just fucking. I don't even know. Those guys are not built out of like. They're Dothraki. Yeah, yeah. They're built like they're like they've got like adamantium in their bodies. Like it's just. I, they're. I don't even know, man. I, it's just ridiculous how strong those two dudes are. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think maybe I was a little too down on them, but I wasn't like down on them to the th- point I thought they sucked. I just thought like, you know, I, I there were people like that are like oh dark horse contender, and I'm just like. Pump the brakes, man. I, I'm still like that. I, I just, I mean, the I think part of it is the West is so wide open. Uh, I mean, Cooper's so like, is your mom. <laughs> <"Bum."> <laughs> um, <laughs> that was an awkward chuckle from Ariel. He's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I was like, um, but um, but the um, I think yeah, because like the Clippers, I think are probably the most talented team. But you know, they have two guys who have sustained a lot of injuries. Um, you know, Denver gets Murray back. Let's see. I think they've looked pretty good. Um, shout out Bones Island had a great game last night. Um, but there's there's no really overpowering team, especially not even not even the Clippers with both those guys. So it's um it's pretty wide open. So I think there's a lot of dark horse contenders in that sense. I think they're like a year away before they're like even legit like legit like, legit like, contenders like in the top tier of like. Like Golden State, like they're at least a year away. I think, in my opinion. I are any, I don't are think they're that issue. Are either of you worried about Golden State a little bit? Because no, no, <laughs> yeah, not, not even slightly. I just think that they had a yesterday was a weird game. I think Denver in general has been a tough matchup for them. I know people don't think that because of like they beat them four one in the playoffs last year. But Yoke, like it's so funny. And this is not a knock on Draymond's defense at all. But like people were like, oh, Draymond did such a great job on Jokic, and he did. And guess what? Jokic still was averaging like thirty and fucking fourteen, eight assists or something in that series. Like, there's not a there's not a single team, a single matchup, a single person in the NBA that is slowing Nikola Jokic down. That dude is like an offensive juggernaut. He is incredible. Any questions that I have about that team and about him are all about the defense, and I still have them about their defense because I still have no idea who the hell they're defending. Um, but you know what? That offense, they might, when Jamal Murray gets back, I think they're going to score like 130 a night. They might set a record for offensive rating or something. Like that team is just going to be insane offensively. Um, I, I got to say, I was watching that game last night. I don't know if you guys watched it. The Nets really fucked up letting Bruce Brown go, man. Yeah. He's, he's good, good, man. Yeah. I, have, I don't understand why they let him go. He's really good. Um, and he's going to be awesome playing off of Jokic. Yeah, and I think that's their answer on defense is Bruce Brown. Like they're starting not by himself, but they're starting. They have they Jokic functions as their point guard, right? 
So they're starting KCP and Bruce Brown together. Um, you know, that, that gives them some size in the backcourt. Um, you know, I would love to see them start Bones, but, um, but you see why they're doing that. And, um, yeah, I, I totally think they could reach 130. Reason I'm a little bit skeptical about the Warriors, um, I, there was, I, I don't know if I'm ready to call Draymond washed yet, but there were parts of the playoffs where he really did look it. Um, I'm not sure if I buy a full season from Clay Thompson at the, at the, certainly not the level that we've seen him play his entire career. Um, and I mean, I think you're just going to be asking a whole lot of stuff. And if anyone's capable of it, he is. But, um, there's part of me feels like that was the last full good season you could get out of Draymond and Clay. And I don't know that, um, I mean, they have some interesting young guys, but I think like, I like Moody a lot. I think he's probably still a year away from being a really impact player. Wiseman has looked good in stretches, um, but you know, it's they're going to be asking a whole lot of stuff. I feel, and, and I think that um, Looney's a terrific player, but the slightest I think declines from Green and Clay can can really sink that defense. Um, and that's not a knock on Wiggins or, or Curry or Looney. It's just um, you know they they rely, the, the way they play defense. I, I do worry about them, like not like not being a contender, but um, like they're not an outright favorite to me, um, for a couple of reasons. Yeah, I mean, the shot creation stuff with them has always—it's been even last year in the playoffs. Like Steph was the one guy in the half court that was doing shit. I know Poole had bursts, but like, I don't know. He—he's but they like to but they like to move the ball and play through Draymond as well. And there were times, especially in that Memphis series, oh where Draymond just looked completely inept. Dude, Draymond was—he—he yeah, he actually looked pretty good yesterday. Not gonna lie. He's like been shooting, which is but it's October. It's not April, you know. That's true. No, but you know what? Contract year, contract year. Draymond, like that's he's a... trying to get that bag, man. He's trying to. I know he is. Like we all right. know that, right? Like that's what he's trying. Money to bag do. or a punching bag? Both, maybe. Um, but like he's got a punching bag already. Like... <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh... Jordan Poole. <laughs> but no, I think I think that they really need Moody to come along. Yeah, they need him to pop, and I think because with need... Moody and Moody kind of. Playing next to Wiggins in that clay role could really be fun on both ends, you know. Yeah, and I'm I'm already like, man, I know Wiseman is young and he's got talent, but like, I just it he's good. Those are going to be minus minutes for a little while. They just got to eat those. They got to overcome it because he's not going to be a positive player right now. Um, I'm already kind of sick of Jamichael Green. Like, why is he playing more than Kaminga? I, I don't know. I don't know what that really does for you. Um, I think they need like losing. So they lost. Who did they? They lost Otto Porter Jr. and they lost uh, Gary Payton the second. Right. Come I on, without Donovan Anderson. But yeah. yeah. Well, he does. He actually sucks. Um, but like Gary Payton the second was like I, without looking, I would guess he was one of their most positive on-off players last year. Yeah, He's just, Warriors fans were pissed when he got let go. Yeah. So that's I think that was a bigger loss than is being made out, and Otto Porter Jr. was really good for them in the playoffs. And that he's like, I mean, he's like such an easy plug and play guy, right? Shoot threes, can switch on defense, like not he he doesn't hold the ball, he makes quick decisions, totally fits what they do. I I don't I they're not going to be the same, obviously, like the way they play and all those kind of things, having lost those dudes, but. I think they really need 
to be okay with just prioritizing putting those young dudes off the bench together. Kaminga, Poole, uh, Wiseman, and probably DiVincenzo. Those would be like, if I'm Steve Kerr, I would, those would be like the, my five guys off the bench. And I would just live with it. Because what you're hoping for is that by playoff time, they've rounded into form and they've progressed and developed into like all capable rotation players. And if that happens, now you've probably put yourself back in as like the favorite in the West. Um, it's early. They obviously destroyed LA in, in game one, but like, I do think that you're, you're, you're right. There is definitely something to like, is, are they asking too much of Steph? Um, maybe. Yeah. I mean, Wiggins has been really good though to start the season too. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. And I don't know, Clay, he, he shot fine yesterday. He, he doesn't look the, he, I know he had a serious injury, so it's only natural, but like, I'm a little worried about like, is he, uh, is he really ever going to come back? Cause he wasn't particularly great in the playoffs last year either. Um, he had the one game six and yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm, they definitely have some question marks. I think Poole will get it going. He's, he'll, 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 He's not going to shoot like crap and just generally be ineffective, um, but like, it's it's not a luxury anymore, right? Like they need Pool to get it going. They like he has to. Um, otherwise, yeah, I, I don't know if they have enough juice to get out of the West again this year. Uh, all right, I think we've talked for quite a bit. It's a good place to end it. Ariel, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, yeah, of course, man. Let the people know where they can find you and uh, plug anything you'd like to plug. Uh, just follow me on Twitter at apacheco NBA. Anything I do will be on there. Will do. Uh, everybody, give him a follow. Ariel does a great job of breaking down games every game uh, the day after. Uh, really good stuff. Really insightful stuff. So definitely check him out. Give him a follow. Stacy, anything that you'd like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, I'll echo that. Uh, Ariel's threads are definitely one of the most fun parts of the day after a Knicks game. Um, and uh, I would imagine if you're listening to us. Um, you follow him, but if you don't, um, really should. Um, other than that, um, you don't. Oh, I'll plug. I'll also plug the Strickland has been doing a series with Dallas Amico, um, where he's, he does some, some breakdowns, Max's and O's breakdowns. He did a really good one on on Tibbs's defensive schemes. Um, I don't think Dallas is the biggest Tibbs fan, but it was pretty fair. In terms of the trade-offs they're making, and and you know what um what the games are, and what um you know what some of the, the things that you have to watch out for, that I watched that YouTube show, and um you know, having now um you know I've learned a lot from Dallas over the last couple of years too, so I think you'll all enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if anybody should be learning from Dallas, but um, <laughs> yes, no, good stuff. It was a good video. Definitely check it out. Uh, we're trying to do more of that this year, so uh, be you know check all of it out. Uh, check out all the pods, check out the website. Um, Frank Barrett 109, aka Jeffrey Rasmussen. Probably should have said it the other way. He wrote a really good piece yesterday um, about kind of what biggest questions facing the Knicks. So I would highly recommend reading that. Uh, but that is our pod for today. I hope everybody has a great weekend. And I will see you on Friday.
our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.